Welcome to Season 2020, Episode 12. Where have the Kawasaki's gone? Manuel warms to one of our listeners. Where have the green machines gone? And Manuel introduces us to Luca Catalora, Marco Melandri, and Kenny Roberts Jr. This is the Pacino Report. Time for the Pacino Report. It's the show where we cover the latest and the greatest news from the world of MotoGP. We have assembled the holy trinity of MotoGP talent here today, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, it took some work to get them here today, but they are Stu McGraw calling in from Brisbane hey. in Australia. How are you, Stu? Yeah, yeah, very good, Dave. Uh, hello to everybody out there in uh, in podcast land once again. It's been a, it's been another wonderful week here in Bris Vegas. Uh, getting closer and closer to racing, I'm getting very very excited. There's been um, even more news than than normal this week. We've had racetrack announcements and all sorts of other stuff going on in the background. But the one thing that caught my eye this week, I normally come in and I'll give people an amusing face palm of the week. This week, I thought. You know what? There's something here that deserves something a bit better than a face palm of the week, and that is as simple as Bradley Smith getting 72 laps of Mizano in on the Aprilia. He's getting a high five of the week. They're on the track. They're racing. They're actually doing something. (laughs) I'm just disappointed. I thought it was going to be a high five in the face, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is about as positive as it can get. That voice you can hear in the top right on my screen is Miss uh, Andrea Easton. How are you, my lovely? Oh, wonderful. I've come back from, I think, a near-death experience. It wasn't the coronavirus. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it would be easier if you actually had it. <laughs> I think so because I haven't been able to drink and at least I can speak clearly now. So, no, I'm good. I'm good. The sun's out. Sport's starting to come back. Aussie rules football's on TV tonight and yeah, it's all about to kick off, isn't it? We're all we're all coming out and into the light. This is the first time I've had the beanie off the top of my head today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bits of me are absolutely frozen. That uh, laughter you can hear in the background is the is the man himself, the man who pays the bills, the man who's currently at sixty five thousand feet, calling from his uh, personal jet somewhere over the <laughs> Indian Ocean. <laughs> Trying to get closer to the sun. <laughs> he'll be uh, he'll be landing very soon because he's about to start digging himself into the Hareth circuit uh, for the upcoming test. It's the one, the only, the Manuel Pacino. How are you, boss? Hi, guys. I am not calling from my private jet, but from the space station. I am just here in the space, you know, looking forward to... Uh, to, to see everything start. The calendar came out just a few minutes ago. There isn't nothing that we haven't spoken about, nothing really new. Uh, just confirming that the championship will restart July 19th, right? And it will, it will go down to, so far, November 15th. These mm-hmm. races will all be held in Europe so far and the extra European races, they have to be confirmed yet. But uh, so far, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen 13 or 14 races. That's not bad for a championship that's going to start uh, four or five months later than it should, right? Right at this point, Indeed. I'm not going to argue with anything. <laughs> it's better than probably what we anticipated, isn't it, really? I remember when we first started talking about it all. It's, it's yeah, it's, bad. it's good. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, the good thing, uh, the surprising or the confirmation is that there will be a, a race in France uh, mm. October 11th in Le Mans. This means that there will be spectators. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm going to... Andra, Andra, sorry. Where, where is the race in France? <laughs> I was going to say, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> we the, don't need to the, have any toilet habits on this show. Yeah, yeah. The, on, the only thing I don't see clear is, you know, that uh, Le Mans Le Mans, Le Lemon, is the rainy region of uh, France. And it's it rains in summer, in so I can't imagine in October that is our autumn. But we have to go there, Ooh. and we will go there with a lot of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed we will. Lovely. Can you say that in French? <laughs> can you say no, pleasure in French? No, no, I only can say madame. That's all what I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than um, my wee wee. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Stu, just before we kick off, because we've actually got, we've got, we've got three leader items um, that are pretty big after this. I want to introduce you to a concept of... We've been pretty good on this podcast in um, you know what, what we're asking of our listeners. Do you think it's, it would be unfair if um, we asked our podcast listeners um, if they wanted to support us in any way? Do you think that would be unfair? I don't think that would be too unfair. And speaking as a podcast listener, I'd, I'd be quite open doing that with all the people I listen to as well. Are we talking stomach photos? <laughs> Sorry. This, this will actually save us putting photos on the internet and having to pay our way it through will, hopefully. <laughs> there is a very easy way to support your favourite podcast hopefully this is one of them um, with a, a company that we've teamed with called Pod Hero you can support all of your favourite podcasts with only one $4.99 that's less than a cup of coffee a month membership that is these days, that's right that is. And think of how many, podcasts, how many podcasts you're getting off us realistically, um, yep. for your one cup of coffee. So you're getting four podcasts for a cup of coffee. Who wouldn't want to buy Manuel a cup of coffee? <laughs> I, I, I think there might be something. a few people, actually. <laughs> we'll wait until the From first. Some of the Manuel incidents I'm willing to put this up to $8 for a beer. <laughs> we'll put the link in the show, uh, show notes, but... Um, if you tell Pod Hero your favourite podcasts, don't forget this one, and your contribution gets shared between the shows that you like at the end of the month. That's awesome. What do you th- What do you think, Stu? Does it work for you? That works. Like like I say, I listen to tens of podcasts every every week. I, so many of tens. them. Tens. Tens of them. It, it, I'm, I'm probably nice a- to be able to reward them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I'm I, gonna check it out myself. Yeah, do it. If, if if I could have a look at what's been a good episode of a podcast or a podcast that I want to support, if I can. Choose week by week. I can go. Oh, yeah. Look, Cena reports. All right, they can have a buck. I'll I'll give a buck to you know, Science Center or or MotoGP podcast or something. That that'd be great. Especially since that that's my control. Then I'm not just subscribing and the money's disappearing. Absolutely. I, yeah, I know where it's going. Somebody's got to pay for the uh, for the jet fuel for Manuel's jet. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free. We'll put the uh, Pod Hero uh, partner links in the show notes. So go and have a look. Try it out. If it feels good for you, uh, dive right in. I said it's only mm. um, one cup of coffee a month. Uh, yep. Pod Hero works with almost all podcasts. There's a 0% platform fee. Um, they don't I take like. a cut. Uh, yeah. There's no contracts, and you can try it free for 30 days. Um, most importantly, you'll be supporting the Pacino Report. We'll end it there, ladies and gentlemen. We'll move on to the stuff you love.
Topic number one, listener feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First piece of yeah, listener feedback. Can, can you stop doing infomercials? That's it. <laughs> we, had a, we had an amazing email. Um, we actually had some other stuff planned, but a couple of days ago this email rolled in um, and, and it's got a bit of everything. And I, I put this to Manuel with like, boss, what do you want to do with this? Because at, f- at first it's like, yes, he's really, really happy with the, uh, with the podcast and then you get through and it's just there's a bit of everything in there. You come out the other side and that it ends anyways. Great listening. Thanks very much. So It's the I, best I, I, listener email I've, I've ever had on <laughs> any show or anything I've ever done ever. It's brilliant. <laughs> so I put this to the uh, big man himself and he was just like, yes, we have to speak about this and we have to go through point by point. So here we're going to yep. go. Um, so I won't use his name because he hasn't said that we can. So we'll just refer to him as listener. So he'll know who he is. Hi, I've been listening to your podcast and it's great, especially since now the news has been negative and surreal one thing after the next. Racing has been refreshing again. Indeed. I had a couple of questions and points of discussion or maybe I'd say I beg to differ on some of Manuel's points. And I can see Manuel leaning back, (laughs) cracking his knuckles. In the podcast, Season 20, Episode 1, Leaders and Biters, Manuel states many points about Jorge Lorenzo, two of them being the following. Lorenzo is a true champion. Lorenzo's Mm -hmm. character is confidence. Now, Mm -hmm. I might come across as a bit of a critic, but aren't we all? Please keep in mind I particularly like Lorenzo in his first two years of MotoGP. Amazing talent and big challenge. Valentino Rossi, current champions, teammate, blah, blah, blah. So my question to point one is, if, and this is valid, it really is. If Lorenzo is a true champion, let's review his MotoGP titles. First title, he won due to Valentino Rossi breaking his leg. Second title, he won due to Stoner breaking his ankle, missing out on a few races. Although that's <laughs> Manuel's playing the violin. Third title, we all know what happened worth a complete podcast. So out of all those titles and scenarios, would you still say he is a true champion? Valid question. Over to you, Mr. Manuel Pacino. No, no. First of all, I want to say that I love these debates. You know, that's yep. it's it's uh, what it, it is all about. Debate, debate, debate is fantastic. It's fun. But in this case, let me start with the first question about Lorenzo is a real champion or to question the three championship, right? Okay. Yeah. The first I thing I have to say to. is number one, nobody gets five world titles because of a coincidence. Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five. Okay. Yeah. You can win a championship with uh, some uh, moments in your favor, like Kenny Roberts did with his because it rains a lot in the 2000 season, because mm. of uh, Alex Cribillier, because Duhan breaking his leg. Okay. This. But they are still champions and they they demand a lot of respect. Okay, five world titles. I put you an example. The best thing is to put an example. Wayne Rainey. I don't know if our listener thinks that Wayne is a real champion or not. Okay, Wayne, let me remember that he won his uh, title in 1992 because Mick Duhan broke his leg. Okay, mm. I don't know if I, our champion thinks that Kevin Schwanz is not a proper champion. <laughs> Kevin won his uh, championship because Rainey uh, got seriously injured in 1993. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I don't know if our listener thinks that Casey Stoner 
did deserve the championship he won in Ducati, which everybody agrees he wants due to the Bridgestones he had. Absolutely, and, yeah. and to the yep. failure of first Honda 800cc engine. I don't know if our listener thinks that Agostini is a, isn't Agostini's 15 world titles are deserved. Okay, he did a race against very inferior machinery, but 15 world titles are 15 world titles. Yeah. And then when mm-hmm. he switched to Yamaha, he immediately won. So there is always a circumstance behind a world title. Exactly, you know? yeah. Always. If we go down to the list, we can see uh, Freddie Spencer. You know, Freddie Spencer may have won uh, his first title because he was using for the first time the radial Michelin tires. Yes. Yep. Okay. There is something always behind. But again, five world titles, nobody gives anybody five world titles. Okay. So Lorenzo is without a a doubt a true world champion. Okay. And, he de- and he deserves being a champion, and he des- deserves his five titles, okay? Yep, so agree to disagree, and your mitigating factor is the pure fact that every world champion is a champion because something has happened somewhere. There's always been a circumstance that you They've can They've taken advantage of it, yeah. Because yeah, exactly, so I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying he is not right. I am just pointing him to compare and himself yeah. yep. to take a conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second point was regarding the... Oh, we haven't got to that yet. I was building no, the suspense. No, yeah, yeah, about, <laughs> no, no, yeah, about talking... Still going to read through. The, about yep. Lorenzo's uh, character, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whether, yeah. The, yeah his, main, his main weapon is, is his confident character, yeah. Okay. Oh, we haven't, yeah, I haven't read that out, though. Yeah, so, go for it, Dave. All right, so this is the second point he mentioned about Lorenzo was that he is a confident character. Now, maybe it's lost in translation to English, but in my opinion, Lorenzo doesn't even know confidence. He goes from arrogant to insecure. Many examples. Okay, so that was point number two. Yeah, so it was he believes that, uh, yeah, Lorenzo doesn't exhibit confidence. Uh, However, his defining traits are arrogance and insecurity. Okay, so that was point Mm -hmm. two, and we've got another one after this. So go for it, boss. Yes. It's a shame that he doesn't mention his uh, points, right? Because I will mention my points regarding his confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay, just uh, travel a little bit in time. Go back when Jan uh, Jorge Lorenzo arrives in the Yamaha box alongside God. That is uh, Andra's 46. <laughs> Man in yellow Mr. himself. Mr. Mashed Potato himself. <laughs> <laughs> so there arrives a young rider with no experience and he faces Valentino immediately. I don't remember because I have a fish memory, but I think he he won the third race or he did pole position immediately or something like this. Okay. After facing, look, Valentino did everything he had in his mind to uh, push the youngster down, you know, remember the wall, remember all this psychological um, war Valentino was super good in, super good at. And uh, at the end, how did the story finish? Mr. Valentino was pushed he, out. He left, didn't he? Yeah. Pushed out of the garage by Mr. Lorenzo. And this mm-hmm. only a super strong rock mentality can do to resist the the psychological war and to face god who who was for that time the really the god of MotoGP. okay 
this shows how strong he is mentally. And he showed it again in Ducati. In Ducati, he went there and he had problems, problems. And he was saying, he was telling us, journalists, and probably you, you, you heard this, that he was on the way, that he was sure that he was making the way to get to the victory. He knew what was going on. At the end, he reached there. He got there mm-hmm. because he yep. knew what he was doing. So, look, the thing is that Jorge, he has a character that from outside, it, he make uh, look um, arrogant, but Jorge believes absolutely in himself. Mm, which might you know, it comes across as arrogant sometimes. It does. Yeah, there's, a fine, yeah. there's a fine line I've, between. I've, I've yeah, met similar people arrogant. who yeah, you label as arrogant. It's because mm. they're not mm-hmm. programmed with self doubt. Exactly. exactly. They, 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 they just don't have it. And that's very yep. confronting to people who are like the rest of us who get up in the morning and have to battle with self doubt. Um, those people who don't have that, uh, that weight upon them. Um, are very confronting, so it can come across as mm. arrogant and uh, yeah, self-fulfilled. Mm. And and he he leans on what he did during his career. You know, who somebody who arrives at the in the box of Valentino Rossi, who really was the emperor of Yamaha, being Mister yep. Nobody, and pushes him out. Then he says, "I can face everything." Then he goes to Ducati. Everybody was. Now he will never get used to that bike, and suddenly he starts bang, bang, bang. So every time his results do confirm what he thinks about himself. Mm. You understand? Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in that regard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. so um, I have a friend who says to me, look, he might look arrogant. Arrogant is just um, uh, a characteristic of your character. But then if you are Arrogant, but uh, well-educated is something. If you are arrogant, mm. it's stupid. Arrogant is just being somebody are shy, other are arrogant, but not being arrogant itself, it's not a sin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially if you yeah, if you're not programmed with that self doubt, there's there's nothing to yeah. uh, to hold you back. But is except- that part is that part of that killer thing as well? You know, like we've spoken about this with different personalities, and to be a champion, you have to have that arrogance. You have to have it's that mixed in. Yeah, but Jorge has not the killer instinct. He has the self confidence instinct that is different. Mm. You understand? Uh, okay. You understand? So Mark is a killer. Uh, we heard uh, Remy Gardner in your What the Andra. He's a killer. Jorge is, has never had a conflict with any rider. In he just gets other riders to take him out for him. Is that what happens? Oh, Just makes friends with one. Not see that one coming. You have learned very quickly. Oh, eh? <laughs> look, well. look, look, well. look, look, look. You're not right, getting I'm a Christmas card from Hawaii this year. No, you're not, are you? <laughs> Edra, I, I think you don't have to do the corona test. You are infected, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All the but, way to my brain. But, but it's not the corona. It's another infection you got. Infection 46. Infection 46. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit itchy. Yeah. No, but ju- just a quick parenthesis. Look, there are two riders. If you see, if you look, they have never have any conflict in the track on the track because they are they were and are so clean. One was Jorge Lorenzo; he had never an argue with anybody regarding dirty riding, and the other one is Maverick Vinales. 
And Mavel Vinales, probably he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, let's say. He's too clean. He's too clean. Just on that, do you think Fabio will be the next one? I'm yet to see someone No, 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 no. Fabio Fabio is hard, eh? (laughs) You think he'll um, put a few noses out of joint? You think that there will be, um, you know, handbags at 100 yards? You can drop an elbow on a Mark Marquez. Yes, yes. Okay. Look forward nice. to it. <laughs> We're going to see that in 2020. Fantastic. All right, let's, let's get to the final part of yeah, the So, so, so of anonymous the email. Um, email said that was your second one. As I said, it was a fantastic email. This bounced back and forth for a couple of days in the um, TPR oh, yeah. team. We, 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 yeah, we just loved this sort of feedback. And I said, you should have seen Manuel's eyes light up. I said, these are, these are, the, uh, these are the listeners that he's hoping to, to attract with this product. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make, uh, how do you say, uh, I don't want to make our listeners uh, bad or small. No, 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 no. That wasn't what I was trying to say. I was saying that, yeah, this is... And and the thing is, I put my... He put his ideas on the table. I put mine. And then anyone decides what he thinks. Absolutely. It was was about promoting conversation, not uh, trying to stop it. So, um, as I said, it it was a huge thank you for for starting the conversation at at our end as well. It was the final comment. Um, I do have another question, though. When talking about Yamaha, again, this might be lost in translation, but he mentions that Honda being an engineering company and Yamaha being a racing company. If this is the case, wouldn't Honda be the innovators? Where is the innovation? I understand they changed their bike, as he mentioned, but innovate? Iwata Yamaha has innovated by is an innovator by racing a cross-plane crank, something not seen in racing before. Just take a look at their production lineup. All innovation where uh, all innovation where Honda sticks to convention. I understand. <laughs> uh, I think I understand what he means by engineering, but I would disagree. By the way he put it. Anyway, great listening and thank you very much. Um, beautiful way awesome to end email. an e- yeah. Beautiful way to end an email. Um, but this uh, guy has a big yeah. brain. He does. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for it. I can't wait for the next email. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> So, Manuel, what would you say Manuel, about that? Yeah, what would you say Honda about that? not innovators? Uh, well, uh, this is like uh, stealing a candy from a child. You know, this is so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel embarrassed about the answer. You know, <laughs> and and listeners, at this point, I'll, I'll I'll let everyone know that as as Manuel looks down to his table, he's actually got a bullet point list of notes that he's written out just for this one. So he's got he's got that you know, childlike grin on his face. He too. does. Yeah. I love he it does. Start, start, from, start from the top of Honda Innovations. Off yeah, the top no, of your head, no, I, I was just adding another one I had forgotten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> another point or another page? Twenty-three. <laughs> Do another, just another one. Hang on. Did you run out of ink? (laughs) (laughs) Look, uh, the best way, uh, I I would love, really, to invite our listener to come with me to the Honda Museum at Motegi. Mm -hmm. When you get into the Honda Museum in Motegi, there are two different areas. One is for the car cars and one for the bikes and then there mm-hmm. are racing and production when you get out of that museum you will i, I respect honda for the less, le, uh, rest of your life honda is you see what honda means when you see that museum okay so yeah. just to give some rega- let's go down to racing okay because he mentions cross plane and this stuff and let's go to racing honda has only done 
things like in racing since they are here. Okay. They built a 125 uh, four-stroke engine that revs in 1963 with the materials they had at that time. That engine revved to 23,000 RPM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is. Look, but look it's at this. That's bees. Until today. <laughs> angry, angry bees. <laughs> <laughs> until today is the most high-revving engine, four-stroke engine built. You've okay. never driven in a car with uh, Andrew, have you? <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, okay, let's go because the list is long. One, this 125, 23,000 RPMs. Then remember, remember they built some a jewel called 250 six cylinder bike. Remember, four stroke. Yep. That yep. is an absolutely jewel. Okay, this may be. Oh, yeah. Uh, has happened in ages. We are talking in the 19, uh, whatever, 60s. Okay, yeah. but then mm. we come to the absolute pinnacle of technology. That was the Honda NR500. Mm -hmm. A bike that, uh, I tell you that until today, the 21st century, they are using things that they started to test with this bike. NR500. Okay, that bike was too early to be built, so Honda had to change the pace and switch to the two-strokes. With absolutely no uh, experience of two-stroke, they had to fight the Suzuki's, the Yamaha, okay? Because the four-stroke mm -hmm. era did not work. So they started to build something like a 500 bike with three cylinders, okay? After using that three, 500 three-cylinder, they decided to build a 500 V4, with the engine upside down. Remember, the fuel tank yeah. was yeah. under the engine. Underneath, yes. So I can, I, 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 down. I, I can see Andrew's face screwing up. Yes, you, you heard it correctly. The fuel Why? tank was underneath. Why? Why? I imagine because... White distribution. Exactly. Yeah, center of gravity. Very good. Okay, so at it was... It's Honda. Important. They could. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> So it was impossible to work on this bike because the escape, the exhausts were on the top. You know, was very difficult to ride. The heat, the top. They decided to do a normal one. Then they switched to the 500 before. Then at a certain point, they decided to change the firing order and switch to the big, big bank engine. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is something quite similar to the cross plane. It's just another way to put the firing order. Then suddenly Aprilia decided to face the 500 category with a V2 that was a big 250 with a mm -hmm. V2 that first was 410 cc, then it went to 450 and ended being a 480 cc. So what Honda did? They built also a 500 V2. And to show Aprilia that they could do it as well. Okay. Then continuing MotoGP, when MotoGP arrived, remember the exhibition, the technical exhibition that HRC did with his B5 engine. That was basically kind of a Golf engine or a Volkswagen Golf, a V5. Fantastic. <laughs> this was something, an engineering pinnacle, okay? Then remember, suddenly somebody in Honda decided to use the seamless gearbox. That was an absolutely revolution. Because the riders started to forget to use the clutch. The clutch, they use it only in the starting. 
and when they return in the box after the race, no clutch anymore. This has uh, for these are innovation done by a company does who which doesn't do innovations, right? That is Honda. <laughs> just to put other example, look, remember in World Superbike, Ducati was winning, winning, winning with V2 Ducati. So Honda decided we are going to face these Italians and they built their own V2. And mm-hmm. Colin Edwards won with that bike, didn't he? Yeah, you, you, you're treading on some pretty fragile ground there with Stu, though, Manuel. <laughs> being, a, being a big Carl Fogarty supporter, you, you're starting yeah, to wade I, into some very dangerous I, territory. I'm maybe looking up on my back wall at a uh, at a painting done by uh, Golden Goose of well, Carl Fogarty. <laughs> well, but we are talking about Honda. Look, and again, they won with the V2, and then after winning with the two, they decided to do what? A V4. There you go, V4. Yeah. Just cause. And, and they won the World Superbike with, with John Kosinski. And yeah. after doing that, they switched to the four in line. So it's, yeah. not, it's not bad for a company who is not engineering. And just to finish, to put other two examples, we remember the famous Paris Dakar race, the hardest race in the world. Mm-hmm. On the head, the balls to face that race with a two stroke engine. Mm. They did yep. for two years just to experimenting in the hardest conditions a two-stroke engine. And then, just to finish, Honda, if you go to the Honda Museum, you will see two very strange motocross bikes that raced only Japan, just for testing. One was a 125cc two-cylinder motocross bike, and the other was a full automatic 125 motocross bike. So... My friend, whose name we cannot say, I think that um, you should come with me to the Honda Museum. He'll be the man yeah. standing there with a single red rose. Is <laughs> 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 how that works? <laughs> how will I know who you are? <laughs> and, and just very quickly, if we go to production technology, remember, uh, very quickly, remember, for example, that uh, Honda built a six-cylinder inline uh, engine, right? They were the only company that at the same time in their production, they had big bikes with V4 engines and mm-hmm. bikes with four inline engines. So, look, if you want to accuse uh, Honda of something, everything, but that they are not engineering company. And now to end, because we are going late. <laughs> <laughs> the script has been torn up already. Are you halfway through your points? Like, yes. Something very quickly. Something very quickly. It's true, and this I have to give the, the, the how do you say, the point to our listeners. It's mm. true that in the last year, Honda has been very disappointing in production-wise. And I tell you mm-hmm. why. There, there was a big discussion, I would call it even a war, inside Honda between the old-style engineers, the one who got the spirit for Mr. Honda, these the guys that this spirit of Mr. Honda was always to show technology. Honda has to be a technology company. The other, the other part of this world were the marketing guys, the guys who looked at Honda as a company to make yep. business. And it was a fierce, fierce combat. The marketing guys won and all the top engineers, the good ones, they had to leave the company. Oh, really? Yeah. After that, we have seen bikes like that NC700, the one you put the helmet inside the 
Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the quality of the suspension are awful. Yes. We, mm-hmm. we have seen the CBR in the in the the last good CBR is from 2008 because yeah. the company was focused in mass production. Mm-hmm. Losing the spirit. So in this point to our to our listener, you are right absolutely. And this equation <laughs> apart from all those other points. <laughs> no, this, this is in in the spirit of the uh, email, and returning back to the original point. This is the uh, level of conversation that we wanted to um, elicit from our listeners. So um, I can hear the clacking of keyboards uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from where I'm standing already. Beers being put yep. down, coffees being put down, knuckles being cracked, um, keyboards being tapped away. Indeed, I'm sure everyone's figured out by now exactly why. Dave and I got Manuel on board to do this because you you just wind him up and you get pure gold, like inside of gold out of his mouth. So thank thank you, Manuel. Anyone who'd like to come to the mantle on this one, uh, it's the Pacino Report at PacinoGP.com. Manuel's more than happy to uh, respond to any talking point uh, that uh, you'll put in front of him. So um, bring on the conversation. Bring it. And if I do know anything about Manuel, that invitation uh, for the Honda, Museum in Motegi is genuine. So, mm. if if you want a guide, guide a tour of the uh, Motegi mu- uh, Museum, reach out. You can have the big man it himself. Does not uh, take much to get yeah. Manuel to Motegi, that's for sure. <laughs> and and guys, if you have time, because in the museum you need at least three or four hours, really. But if you have time and you go into the formal one area, then mm-hmm. you just throw yourself on the floor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like jumping into a swimming pool. It's incredible. Yeah. You can it's see this. on the heaven. This I am not into Formula One, but you can see V10 engines, V with almost one thousand horsepower. It's absolutely. How crazy. many times have you been there, Manuel? I don't know. Every time? Do you go every time? He's, He's got no, a no. single bed in the corner. This yeah, is that's a, it. A must, a must. And there's I the, have, corner. There's the Pacino the way, coffee cup that he picks up on the way through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think there is an option to do a virtual visit at the museum. So I really, oh. I really, how do you say, recommend it because it's incredible. incredible. I'm going to go and do that tomorrow. Yes, did I? I'm As totally going to do that tomorrow. Reach out. Um, we'll coordinate the uh, tour through here. We'll uh, do the uh, Pacino Report uh, Honda Museum Motegi experience hosted by the big man Pacino himself. Pacino GP holidays. That's it. <laughs> 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 Manuel, um, there's one name that is missing from the conversation from you know the last 30-odd minutes, and it's one that brings in an immense smile to Stu's face. And it's probably a, a good education from Andrew's perspective of... Is this Tucker's sister again? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, saddest news was... <laughs> I, actually, before, before we do go on, we, we kind of brushed over it during the last episode. Um, Manuel mentioned it and then we moved on to a different subject about the LCR team, about who's who will and won't be there next year. And I had a question. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask it now. Go for it. Well, it's into. I know there was something mentioned about the type of bike that Taka rides being Japanese. It's a bit different. Is that correct? Oh, it, was from the, it was from the team perspective. From a team yeah, perspective. But, yeah, but so yeah, I had a question about yeah. 
there was something mentioned and, yeah, relevant or not, it's been in my head for the last week. What's different about the way his bike is being Japanese compared to everyone else? Well, basically, look, there are uh, four Hondas uh, at the grid, right? Mm-hmm. Doing the factory team and do it. And basically what is different with Taka is that he gets a bike at the beginning of the season and that bike never does not change, right? Uh-huh. Well, yep, yep, yep. You've mentioned that before. Yep. While while the others get parts and get uh, the bike improves a lot, Taka's bike is that one. Oh, okay, so it's nothing to do with being Japanese or some special different thing like how we drive on different sides of the road or an upside down. <laughs> He's only allowed to down. qualify on the left side of the grid. The right. yes. Yeah, an upside down Watsima thingy or something like that. Look, but the important thing is as it as long as it as it is on different side and not different direction, it's okay. Yeah, as long as they go the same way. <laughs> That's fair. Let's get this podcast back on track. The big question, Manuel, out of the manufacturers we were talking about, as I said, get ready, Stu, because you, you're about to light up here. How come we, we saw Kawasaki uh, on the grid, what, what, early 2000s, I think? The last body mm-hmm. that I saw on that was Australia's Gary McCoy, and then we put Hopper on there. Um, then we had a, a raft of Dutch over it. Um, Manuel, mm-hmm. j- just briefly, can you throw any light out of the – we're used to talking about the the big four manufacturers, the Honda, Suzuki, the Yamaha. We're used to seeing Kawasaki um, in that um, big four conversation. Where are they mm-hmm. on the grid? Well, I, you know, I have prepared here something, but we have already how much? Almost 50 minutes. If I start, we are going down to <laughs> two hours. <laughs> 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 but look, uh, to make it, it's impossible to make it brief. But let's say, for example, look, Kawasaki is the smallest uh, motorcycle uh, producer in Japan among mm-hmm. the four bigs, okay? And Kawasaki motorcycle is part of probably the biggest engineering company that exists in Japan. It's more mm, a, a heavy industry company. Yeah, yeah, it's a corporation because the corporation is called uh, Kawasaki Heavy Industries. They built mm-hmm. uh, this. Uh, so Andrew, yeah, they built they built trucks and diggers and cranes and all that sort of stuff, industrial and, machinery and high speed oh, wow. tra- high speed trains. These uh, how do you say petrol petrol ships that trans you know mm-hmm. so tankers. Kawasaki, yep. Yeah, the tankers. Kawasaki Heavy Industries is. A world, it's a world, oh, yeah. and Kawasaki motorcycle is kind of a small department they have to promote their brand to make their brand mm-hmm. go around the world, you know. But just I think maybe almost for fun or for company marketing stuff, okay. So the company is very small, it's very small. This is important, but uh, technically, they could run over Honda and everyone if they really want it, okay? So they are comfortable with what they do. Kawasaki has been in the, look, the first world title. If we start this, it's going to be long, guys. What what shall I do? (laughs) What shall I do? Let's make it very brief. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's let's fast forward to the MotoGP era. We'll put um, some show notes to. I believe they left the competition in two thousand and nine. Is that correct? Look at you reading up on your stuff oh, and that's everything. True. Hey, that was out of my head. <laughs> yeah, but the the first world title of uh, Kawasaki was in nineteen sixty nine in one twenty five. They won the first world title, being very yeah, small. They, they, they've been there from yeah very very early age. Yeah, yep. and, and then they were very strong in the medium categories from 76 to 82. 
very strong, mm -hmm. dominating 250 and 350. Remember, with yep. uh, some good Aussie riders like Greg Hansford. Remember oh, him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. forgotten about him. Yeah, and um, they were also at that time 250, 350. They were at the end also in 500, but never did very well. Okay, so let's switch in MotoGP, right? Um, Kawasaki appears in MotoGP 20, in 2002 with, I think he was also Australian, Andrew Pitt. Yes, yep. Yep. Pitt, Pitt is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he started to develop the bike for two years, 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. And then in 2004, Kawasaki entered with uh, full gas, with uh, Nakano. Remember Nakano? Shinya. Yes. Shinya, yeah. yes. Yep. A good friend of mine, by the way. Number 56. <laughs> oh, you name dropper, Manuel. <laughs> oh, look, <at> you, <laughs> <laughs> look who I drink beer with. <laughs> That's the first person he called his friend, I think. Exactly right. I didn't think he hey. had friends in the paddock, remember? <laughs> That's because he's retired. <laughs> 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 okay, Paul, at the end, at the end of 2008, uh, Kawasaki decides to retire and upsets uh, the championship pro promoter very much because they just simply stop. And this upsets him, them a lot, okay? And since then, there is no Kawasaki anymore in the championship. They just, yeah. they, they just left because probably the budget, the, the being 2008, I think, was the start of the big crisis, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, the cost of being in, in MotoGP didn't... Uh, they didn't want to continue and they left, like Suzuki did late uh, as well. They left the championship, but Suzuki returned and mm. Kawasaki didn't. Okay. So, money wise, they disappeared, upset the championship. But then we have to switch. If we talk about Kawasaki, we have to talk about the World Superbike. Exactly. Because they dominate absolutely the World Superbike. And, and it's very, look, to the comparison. Why they are in World Superbike and not in MotoGP? The budget of Kawasaki spends in World Superbike is probably the budget of Team LCR. Yes, of course, yeah. Okay, right. two, three million, four million maximum, maximum. Mm -hmm. While a, a season in the World Championship, the lowest would be around thirty-five million. Yeah, it's <laughs> so. They spent four million. Huge difference. Huge difference. And yeah. what pieces of all the brands that are in MotoGP towards Kawasaki is that Kawasaki wins every year a world title, spending four million, and Suzuki, Aprilia, and these they spend 35, 40 million and get nothing for it. You of understand? Course, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So uh, very quickly again, what uh, Kawasaki has always been in World Superbike, but they started to get. Uh, Strong when, and here we come to Stu's favorite rider again, when, <laughs> <laughs> when the technical rules changed and the crankshafts were allowed to be polished and reduced. And until, yeah, that, yeah. until that moment, and this was around 2011, 2012. And Stu, since 2011... <laughs> Ducati doesn't win a championship. Mm -hmm. since, yeah. the, since the technical rules allow the Japanese to polish a little bit their street bikes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. that took the advantage Aprilia and Ducati had. Leveled the playing yeah. field. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. The rise yeah. of the big fours again. Okay. And since then, the Kawasaki has been dominating the the 
the championship because yeah, of that. Yeah. And, and with, uh, yeah, with, with a certain Irishman on board as well. So yeah, an amazing Indeed. combination between the two of them. Yeah, and this is basically the story. Kawasaki is not there due to money and they are happy enough winning world championship one after another. See, that wasn't seven hours at all. We we, we got you down under 10 minutes, Manuel. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> and, and, and just, you must be feeling ill. Yeah, yeah, well, let's stick it a little bit more. So I have to say that... Uh, <laughs> He was just uh, stopping for a breath. That was yeah. a dare. Yes. <laughs> no, look, the, the last thing, the last thing, you know that Ducati returned uh, full factory last year in World Superbike. Yes, mm-hmm. with uh, Alvaro. With, uh, yes, but the important thing is that it was with a V4 uh, yeah, bike. within a hair's breadth of winning the bloody yeah. thing as well for, yes. the, for the first couple of months. And, <laughs> and I, oh, they were unstoppable. Dorna pushed. Ducati to get in and somehow I imagine fin- financially they help them because Dorna wants to neutralize Kawasaki. So that, yeah. that that river still runs deep from 2008, do you feel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And basically because the other brands, they are complaining about what I told you. Look, Kawasaki can put on their shops every year. We have won the street uh, yeah, bikes championship. Yeah. While the mm-hmm. others spend and spend and cannot put anything on their shops, on their windows of mm. their shops. So this is this so, is the same situation that we found ourselves in the late nineties with Ducati. Is that we saw the the V twin dominance where it was essentially a, a an Italian lockout. I mean, even seeing the likes of you know Keeley in the you know the top five, it said yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, a rare yeah. day seeing a Honda or even a, a Suzuki. Yeah, completely. exactly. And what I told you in 2011, they changed the rules and the advantage the Italians had disappears. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. And it swung back again the other way now. And in fact, remember, uh, Stu, the Panigale, that was the bike that came the last uh, era. The Panigale is the only Ducati that hasn't won a Superbike World Championship. That championship, the Trump, yeah. But most importantly, it looks like it has, though. Oh, wow. <laughs> the most beautiful bike in the oh, market by far. Easily. Yep. By far. It looks like it's won a decade's worth of championships. It's just that it mm-hmm. hasn't. So Yeah. And to be honest, the one that comes comes close to me is the is the MV Augusta. That's the wow. the next mo- most beautiful. Yeah. 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 Oh, all, 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 all emails to the Pacino report at uh, PacinoGP.com on that one. Yeah, what's the most beautiful sports bike out there? Great lead in uh, to our favourite section. Uh, Stu and I uh, were talking earlier today and said might have to put the uh, the Manuel incident on a bit of a pause after this. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, th- this could be uh, a little pause in history after this one. So, soak this one up. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Manuel incident. Andra, would you like to leave it to this one, please? I would. So, considering this may be the last one, lucky I've got a really, really long one. So this- <laughs> Name of your sex tape. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking you beat me to it. Oh, there's another one. All right. Um, this guy actually fascinated me a bit, so I tried my best to get less dot points than what Manuel had just before. Um, so it's a I'll guy, just start. Yeah, so it's a guy. It's a guy. Yeah. It's a guy, and he, and he rides motorbikes. Woo! <laughs> Do you know who it is? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right. He was introduced to racing at the age of six by Loris Reg. Oh, now I've got to pronounce stuff again. Reggia? Who? 
Reggio. I can't read my writing. Reggiani. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I can't read my writing. I'm left-handed. Um, in 1997, <laughs> he won the Italian 125cc championship. Now, a lot of my information here is about before MotoGP because I'm hoping that Manuel can fill in the gaps there because that's what I'm sort of curious. This is why I picked this guy. Um, he won his first... 125cc Grand Prix when he was just 15 years old, making him the youngest Grand Prix winner at Mar- the time. Marco Melandri, stop, stop. Marco Melandri. Oh, I want to read the go. rest of my three pages of information. <laughs> He's got it. Just for the listeners, yeah. Manuel wasn't sitting there thinking. He was going through his address book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the uh, quickest, yeah. <laughs> now, can we, what about can we give that? him a call and get him on the line? Yeah, exactly I'm, right. Uh, I had a chat with him two days ago. Yes, two nights ago, I, I chat with Marco. Of course he okay. did. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> you know. It was just after you got off the phone to your mate Shinya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's Marco doing? Very well. And he's very, his wife is super beautiful, Manuela. And super tall. Yes. Or is he super short? And No, tall yes. and very, very, <laughs> very funny. You Always laugh with it's very oh, they look nice. Their yeah. family looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Okay, Marco is a so victim. Victim stalled for time. Oh, I, there we go. A victim. I have to repeat uh, what I said about uh, Daniel Matrain. I think no. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Mark uh, is a and Alex Marquez. I'm starting to see the trend here. There's a lot of victims in this paddock. Yes, and <laughs> Marco it's is because there's so many predators. <laughs> yes, Marco is a victim of Mister Forty Six. Oh, really? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. He seemed to be in his shadow a bit because what I saw, he actually replaced him in, um, in was it the 250? He actually took yes. his spot uh, when yeah, he moved up. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, he came in behind him. May, do we have Literally. time to, to, to explain an anecdote? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't get to yeah. read the rest well, of my stuff, for. so you've got yeah. plenty of time. Just tell uh, the pilot to go into a holding pattern, Manuel. So. Uh, look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Motegi, I don't remember the race. Marco and Valentino were uh, fighting for the victory. You know turn 11 down the, the downhill? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most credible yep I've ever heard. I believed you. It's done. <laughs> Microphone goes off on the keyboard until you turn 11. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so turn 11, I think that's entering the tunnel, the second tunnel in Motegi. They arrive there. Uh, they clash. Marco crashes heavily. He cut his uh, foot pack inside the foot, destroys one of the his foot, destroys it. And uh, the following year, the headlines of the Italian newspaper attention, attention, was <laughs> Valentino apologizes Marco Melatri. Nobody t- spoke about him destroying his food. No, it was just oh, Valentino. It was all about the Valentino apology. Yeah, yeah. And Valentino yeah. has said, I'm sorry. That was the headlines. Not and even a how are you? Nothing. <laughs> he, did, he didn't exist. He was probably in the hospital for weeks in Japan. That wow. is more or less. Put out a press release. It's all good. You know, because he, he he had the bad luck to to be a contem- contemporaneo of uh, Valentino Rossi. What attracted mm. you to his bio, Andrew? You said it was um, someone the more you read, the more you sort of felt engaged with. 
Oh, well, Adam and I, because my husband and I have these discussions each week because I go, oh, crap, it's recording night. I need a writer for the Manuel incident. <laughs> and we message his I need mate. to know about turn 11 at Moti. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, I think Adam threw his name out and I started looking and I was just, he just, he just hit the ground like with so much potential and then he just mm. kind of died off. It was a bit sad actually as I was writing it out because then, you know, towards the end he wasn't doing great. But it's sad that shouldn't take away from what he did when he was younger. And the problem of Ma- of Marco is that mentally he is, he is, or he was very weak. Mm-hmm. And being alongside with Valentino, being mentally weak, you are done. Yeah, needed yeah. to be more arrogant. That's what he <laughs> needed to be. Strong. He's sharp, mate. Yeah. By weak, do you mean a nice guy or do you just mean – what do you mean by the, the weak, just not able to sustain the pressure that Valentino was placing upon him? Yes, uh, he he didn't re- – so when things didn't go w- well, he was not mm. like Mark who pushes the team out of the problem, you know? Yep. He just flow away, flowed away with, with the problem. Okay. Nice, nice pick, Andrew. Well done. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah, yeah, tennis. Okay. All right, Stu, next, Dave. over to you. Oh, you want okay. me to go? All right, I'm happy yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. This, you go. this this is an, an easy one. As I said, as I was researching this, this is another one that falls into a bit of the the hero category for me. So um, I was interested to see how much I remembered of this individual's life. So this individual um, first started racing in the 250 cc class in the US in 1990, winning five races in his debut season. 1993, he made, what's that? I said I was just making the same joke that you did. I said, so it's a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There's there's a couple of female riders that I'd love to put on this list, but uh, good taste and um, graciousness is going to stop me. By 1993, he made his World 500cc debut at the Laguna Seca Raceway. And he was a full-time 250cc racer for 94 and 95 with Marlboro Yamaha. He moved up to the 500cc World Championship full-time, racing for Yamaha in 96. He finished his first season in the 500s in 13th position, and Yamaha decided not to renew his contract. This is the big one. He then joined his dad's team in 97 spending two years developing ah. their two-stroke bike. In those two years, he struggled to get into top position, finishing 16th and 13th respectively. Want to have a crack at who it is, Manuel, before I go on to his next, uh, uh, next entry uh, into the paddock? Kenny Jr.? Kenny Jr. Then yes. we go into the Suzuki years. 99, uh, debut race in Malaysia, resulted in a surprise win, defeating uh, Australia's very own Mick Doohan. He went to win the second race in Japan. He again defeated Mick. We'll just delete that from history. That never happened. Uh, this winning streak put him <laughs> as a strong contender. Um, yeah, Doohan retired due to illness. Main challenge for the championship that year came from Doohan's teammate, Alex Creville. Um, yeah, rolled on from there. Well done. Kenny Roberts Jr. I've always looked up to him. I said I, I, I like his riding style. Um, it's, it's something that in those early years, it was, yeah, Kenny was one of the people who drew me to the sport. Ah. Stu, you're one. <laughs> yes, I've done it again. It's <laughs> done him. That's twice. Done him. Nailed it. That caught me off guard. Well done. <laughs> now we've broken him. We have. We've completely broken. Wow. Right. Um, 
We were doing so well. We got like eight episodes through. We got we got the uh, we got yeah. the, the the David Brivio a uh, little bit of friction going on there. We know that there's a bit of Alberto Pouge tension going on, but we managed to fight through that one. We got him on Ruben's house last week. We've now got him on um, KRJR <laughs> this week. I'm gonna miss trying to pretend I can guess them because every time you talk, I sit there and I go, "Okay, I might know who this is." <laughs> Never. All right, you you want me to do mine, or are you ready? Yeah, yeah, no, no, do yours, please. You want me to do? Okay, okay. all right. So this Italian former world champion started racing one two fives in nineteen eighty four. Manuel's face already. Yeah, he's got By his address. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a three time world champion with a new five hundred cc ride on a Yamaha alongside the then current world champion Wayne Rainey. Luca, grande Luca. Oh! Hey, very, He's very good. Fire. Didn't even get to say that he won his first race at, at, um, at the British Most Soccer Grand Prix in 1993, beating Carl Fogarty in one of his one of his few um, 500cc races. Yeah. Have you thought about a career in MotoGP journalism, Manuel? You're very good at this. <laughs> yeah, going on Jeopardy? Something. Oh, you should imagine MotoGP Jeopardy. You look oh. <laughs> That's there where you we've go. got to another take idea. <laughs> Luca, so Luca, Luca, he one of the so, best. Really, one of the best. Nice. Okay, okay that's fantastic. One Please of the expand. Best. Yeah. Yes, one what? of the best. Talent-wise or attitude-wise? He, 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 how, how do you say his uh, sport curriculum CV probably doesn't show how good he was, but he was mm-hmm. technically he alongside Eddie Lawson, he was. Mm-hmm. The best one in the two-stroke area, technical line, wow. technical wise. He, but he had the uh, I don't know the bad luck. Well, no, that's it. In fact, remember that he, Valentino called him to be a coach. That's right. Between yeah. 2016 and 2018, he was yeah. Valo's coach as well. That's and right. because uh, Valle and everyone knows that technically he was extremely brilliant, mm-hmm. and he left because he considered that. The job he was doing was not taken into consideration in the way he thought it should be. And, mm-hmm. and Luca has a, f- a very funny characteristic that you can uh, date him or you can, no, no, you can say, okay, let's go for dinner. And he will say, yes, yes. And you will sit in the restaurant waiting for him for days. <laughs> <laughs> so he's an asshole. <laughs> he does this, but... Even in a TV show, you you know, he's invited in a TV show. He says, yeah, yeah, I'll go there. So was he forgetful or just, just an ass? So he invented ghosting. He, yeah. He just, just he, he just doesn't care. He lives his life, you know? He just doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> That's awesome. At all. At yeah. all. That's Luca. Yeah. That's Luca. Wow. Okay. Great and answer. Regarding yeah. Kenny Jr., look, there are two things. One, as a personality. He was the true son of a Martian. Okay. Right. You know? yes. I was wondering where you were yep. going to take that sentence. You landed the, the <laughs> son of a Martian. <laughs> because his father was called the Martian, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was the original Martian. Yeah. Yeah. Can so, you please explain? Because I'm really confused. Yes, because Kenny, when he arrived at the championship, he was so fast and he was so good. that like unhuman. They, yeah. No, so, yeah. so really... Surprising that they said that he came from Mars. Mm. Okay. Okay. In in terms of uh, junior, it's in another way. You understand? Yeah. 
Martians mm. may be strange people out of this world. Out yeah. Of, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> not not uh, yeah, strange. Let's let's Bit call like it David. Strange. Yeah. Exactly. What uh, exactly is that because of the upbringing that he had? He was, yeah, he was he in was that bubble. Very, no, 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 right no. Look, for Earth. example, he won the championship 2000 in Brazil. Okay. Yes, it was Rio. In Brazil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't stay for the party that Sunday. He took the plane and left home. Really? <laughs> Didn't he stay for the dancing girls? I've is seen that, those dancing that thing, girls. That is, that a, is that a Luca Catalora move or is that? No, no, no. Sorry, Luca, he doesn't appear, but he knows how to have fun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he's not Kaiser Soze or anything. Is I he? think, I think, I don't know. And with all respect, probably Junior has more fun shooting or. Yeah. Okay. Right. How do you but, say? Rednecks. <laughs> I, I think I may. I recall right. a story that you were telling us on one yes. of the previous episodes about riding mini bikes through the house Kenny's, and, at Kenny's Ranch. Yeah, and yeah, yep. riding the bikes into the house, parking them next yep. to the TV, parking yeah. them up in the cupboard. Oh yeah, yeah. and I and I, I told you the house where the washing machine was in the bedroom. Washing yes. machine in the cupboard. That's <laughs> and right. you know whose bedroom that was, no? Who's? Juniors. Juniors, yeah. Oh. Oh, right, of course, yeah. <laughs> and this is the, like, personality, because as a rider, it was, you can imagine that being the son of Kenny Roberts was, uh, wasn't easy, right? Mm, exactly. Of course, mm. yeah, that's a hell Very of a... Very difficult, but he yeah. made it, and he made it and turned world champion. Good answer. Thank you for that. Said, yeah, I've always been drawn to his his clean riding style. So yeah, to get a little more insight on that, it's, it's been a that's my job done for the day. I can go to bed uh, knowing that I've learned something. Bad <laughs> 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 time you had something clean in your life, David. Exactly oh. right. I think that's a great way to end uh, <laughs> this episode. We're uh, almost at the uh, seven and a half hour mark after uh, Manuel's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been one of my favourite episodes, this one, I think. Manuel, just lean forward, tap the pilot, tell him to uh, start heading for home. You're ready for uh, descent now. So. <laughs> they can bring you your spritzer. <laughs> yeah, we are descending in Rio de Janeiro, by the way. <laughs> oh, yes, please. We're there with you in spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, we put this podcast together for um, all of you out there. As we mentioned at the uh, top of the billing on this, if you'd like to uh, reach out and support this, if you like what you're hearing, you can support us. Uh, reach out through Pod Hero. We'll put the uh, links in the show notes. I uh, said so we do this for you, for you guys. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Andra, Stu, uh, and, and Manuel. Thank you uh, for, for dialing in on this one again. It does uh, take some organisation to, to pull four people from around the world into the same time zone and uh, press record and then punch this out. So uh, thank you for your time. We're on the socials. You know where, uh, where we are. They'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, Mr. Pacino, what's going on with your website this week? Well, I am writing a story that is, uh, we spoke about the situation in Honda, right, with Alex Marquez mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So I'm writing a story about we all are Alex Marquez. Every single one of us. <laughs> so we. I'm it's sponsored about... by a beer manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's light beer, so. Oh, mm. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have also something written that I can uh, p- pull out now. Regard with the calendar, it's regard the the, the headline is racing in Jerez in July. So explaining what it means, the temperature, and since the arrival of of Michelin in 2016, 
Michelin has never faced a situation like they are going to face in Jerez heat-wise. Just with the of heat. Course, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. That's it. Wow. That's going to be good. Tune into that one, PacinoGP.com. Exactly. Can't wait to read that one. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put that one in the can. Uh, If you haven't heard it already, we did a breaking news for you about four days ago when all hell broke loose on the uh, KTM HRC malarkey. Uh, There's 25 Mm -hmm. minutes where we absolutely cram-packed what was actually happening in the situation. I'd recommend you to uh, head over there if you haven't already heard it. Uh, If anything else bumps up, please rest assured that um, we've got your backs on this one. If anything does crop up, we'll be putting another breaking news out for you. So we'll end it on that note. Stay safe. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.